It is Friday, July 22nd, and this is People Every Day. Hey everyone, it's me, Janine Rubenstein, coming to you from Comic-Con in sunny San Diego. It's been great so far. I got to help the cast of Disney's upcoming animated series, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, introduce the show to fans yesterday. And today I'll be chatting with the cast of The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. So if you're in town and see me around, say hi. But it's Friday. We've got some new music and some big, big stories to get to. So let's dive right in. The newlyweds are taking Paris. (laughs) Fresh off of their Las Vegas wedding, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez were spotted enjoying each other's company in the city of love and lights. The two were seen sharing a smooch earlier this morning, where a source also tells people they spent more than two hours on a park bench cuddling and kissing, adding, they were like two teens on a park bench, very loving, very attentive. There weren't a lot of people that time of the morning, and they weren't distracted. It was just them. Mr. and Mrs. Affleck later took a stroll with their children to see some sights and, of course, do a little shopping at a vintage clothing store before trekking across the Seine to the museum. Another observer shared with people, whether it was holding hands, a caress, touching one another on the back, they never let go of one another. They were like two bees stuck in honey. Oh, so sweet. What a week it's been for the two of them, from Sin City to the City of Love and Lights. With how happy they seem the second time around, it's perfectly fitting that these two lovebirds took to Paris post-nuptials. I'm in front of the cameras today because I really need to talk in order for me to start my healing process. That is Latin pop star Ricky Martin speaking out for the first time since he was accused of sexual abuse. The case was thrown out yesterday. The singer was quick to address fans on camera to share how he was doing and to explain that he was advised not to personally speak out about the case until he had his day in court. And in his video statement yesterday, Martin described how stressful and painful the past few weeks have been. It has been so painful. It has been devastating for me, for my family, for my friends. I don't wish this upon anybody. Martin denied the allegations against him from the start, and he did not identify his accuser, who news outlets have previously reported to be his nephew, Eric Martin, the son of his brother. In his video message, Martin went on to say that he hoped his accuser could find help and start a new life. I mean, I cannot imagine what that must be like to be falsely accused of something like this, let alone by a member of your own family. Luckily, you know, it was over the span of just a few weeks and didn't drag on, but my heart goes out to Ricky Martin and his entire family as they try to heal. And the January 6th hearings continue to gain steam here in the States. Yesterday, some new evidence and testimony were revealed, which sent the news media and social media into a frenzy. The January 6th hearings caused quite a stir last night after... New videos of former President Donald Trump and a U.S. senator were released. Then the most memeable offense, of course, was outtakes of Donald Trump struggling to say the word yesterday. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack yesterday. Yesterday is a hard word for me. I know I'm not alone in wondering what will happen as a result of these hearings. So here to talk about the most explosive moments from last night and what's to come is People's Politics writer Aaron Parsley. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hi, Janine. So good to talk to you. Well, for a long time, Donald Trump has stayed committed to the story, denying that he and the inner circle of his administration had anything to do with and just straight up had no prior knowledge of the insurrection. But there seems to be a lot of proof otherwise now, right? 
Absolutely. So last night was kind of the season finale of a series of televised hearings that the uh, House Committee investigating January 6th had this summer to present their evidence and share their conclusions with the American people about what they found out about what happened on January 6th. Um, that conclusion is very much that Donald Trump was a driving force behind the effort to overturn the 2020 presidential election. And throughout the summer and the various hearings, they have set out to show that the president was very much aware that he lost the election. His own officials and other advisors made it clear to him that his claims of widespread fraud were meritless. They showed that there was pressure put on election officials, state officials, and certainly on Vice President Mike Pence to sort of remedy this lie that the election was stolen. And last night's hearing really focused on what Trump did and didn't do on the day on January 6th. While the U.S. Capitol was engulfed in violence, they showed evidence that he knew very shortly after he left the stage where he made a speech that he was aware that there was violence going on at the Capitol. And he kind of deflected requests from virtually everyone around him on that day to call off the mob and to say something to stop the violence. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He ignored it until he didn't somewhat, right, on January 7th. And that's where we get these outtakes that have just caught like wildfire on social media. I want to know just the backstory of this footage. And wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, yeah. Just explain it for me, Aaron. Trump eventually did make a statement on January 6th. It was much later in the afternoon. At the hearing, they talked about the 187 minutes that he waited to, before he said anything. But he did go on to the White House Rose Garden and he recorded a message. He said, I know your pain. You have to go home now. We have to have peace. So they showed outtakes of that. It was raw footage where he sort of was doing his best to say something that he probably didn't want to say, according to these committee members. And then the next day, he recorded another video from inside of the White House and they had a speech prepared for him. Um, and he refused to give it until they finally convinced him by saying that there were concerns he might be removed from power under the 25th Amendment or by impeachment. And then she introduced the video, which showed the raw footage, the outtakes of, of that speech on the evening of January 7th. But this election is now over. Congress has certified the results. I don't want to say the election's over. I just want to say... Congress has certified the results without saying the election's over, okay? You can hear Ivanka Trump in the background kind of coaching him. He kind of pounded the presidential podium at one point, but it was a short clip and it, I think, was very powerful. I mean, watching it, you just see how frustrated he was with having to say what you would think the president would easily want to say in a moment like that, right? Absolutely. He doesn't want to say that the election is over. It kind of just backs up that he was kind of forced to do this. Mm -hmm. um, this was more than 24 hours after the video that was filmed in the White House Rose Garden was published on social media. So, Aaron, one of the other moments from the trials that is going viral from last night was Josh Hawley. The images of him getting the crowd turned up before, let's say, majestically fleeing the building as the riot ensued. So can you tell us why this moment is a standout? And also, how are people like Hawley and others in Congress going to be held accountable? So there's an image of Josh Hawley that was captured as he walked into the Capitol on January 6, 2021. He's holding his fist up. He's kind of gritting his teeth. It's a very impactful, powerful image. He looks defiant. The committee has said that they have evidence that this moment, this gesture kind of riled up the crowd of, of people that were outside the Capitol. 
But yesterday in the presentation, the committee showed video that hadn't previously been seen that Josh Hawley was fleeing the Capitol after those protesters stormed the Capitol, breached the Capitol. And clearly the internet has had a lot of fun with this moment. A lot of memes on Twitter. People are putting the the footage of him running to the music from Chariots of Fire. They're saying, run, Holly, run, all that kind of stuff. Oh my goodness. Well, so so here's the big question. Will Trump face anything from these these hearings? I know a lot of people have been watching and a lot of people have also been like, well, what does it all mean? The committee that is investigating the events of January 6th is very much about finding out what happened. It is not a criminal inquiry. They want to present the evidence that they've seen and share their conclusions with the American people. Now, they're doing this because they may have recommendations for Congress in terms of laws that could be written and and passed in order to prevent this sort of thing from happening again. But it's really up to the Department of Justice to decide if there has been any criminal activity and whether or not to pursue charges. Merrick Garland, the attorney general, said just this week that no one is above the law and every person, if they acted criminally, should be held responsible. Wow. Aaron, thank you so much for breaking this all down for me. I really, really appreciate it. Have you guys had the chance to see the new Victoria's Secret documentary on Hulu? It is fascinating. Not only does it get into the brand's complicated history with women, but I had no idea just how involved Jeffrey Epstein was with the inner workings of the company. Coming up, we dive into the story behind the iconic brand. But first, you know what day it is. It's New Music Friday, which means we've got some brand new tracks for you to throw on your weekend playlist. And we are only one week away from Queen B dropping her new album, Renaissance. Right after the break, we share what we know about Beyonce's track list and sample some new songs. So stay right there. We are back and it's time for some new music Friday, y'all. But first, let's get to a little music news that we teased earlier. Next week, Beyonce's Renaissance album debuts, but the track list is out now. We've already been blessed with her single Break My Soul on repeat for me. And now we can look forward to some other songs like Alien Superstar, All Up In Your Mind, and one I am very eager to hear, America Has A Problem. That's the name of the song, America Has a Problem. I cannot wait to talk about this album, but I will have to wait until next Friday. First up is Billie Eilish. I'm sure you've all seen the videos of her having what looks like an absolute blast at the Dodgers game last night, where they unfortunately beat my hometown Giants. But I digress. Her new song, TV, is out now. The internet's gone wild Watching movie stars on trial What an incredibly beautiful and topical song, right? Seriously, she has one of the best voices out there right now. Speaking of beautiful voices, though, R&B singer India Sean, have you heard of her? If not, do yourself a favor. She has a new album out today, and on it is this new jam called Caught in the Middle. And I've seriously been playing this one all day. know what it is, but I am just loving that song. And, and last but not least, Kane Brown's Grand is out now. Like grand. Only ones I keep around me is my fam. No coincidence, it's always been the plan. 
The song is off his upcoming album, which is due out in early September. Grand is all about being appreciative for the things you have in life. And that's exactly the kind of vibe I want to take into the weekend. Victoria's Secret, Angels and Demons is a three-part series currently on Hulu. This documentary explores the rise and fall of the brand and former owner Leslie Wexner. The documentary does examine how the brand evolved from the first catalog to televised fashion shows, the rise of the angels, and the body positivity movement that Victoria's Secret did not adapt to, causing sales to decline. But there was a very dark part of this brand that no one really knew about. The majority of this series dives into Les Wexner's relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Donald Trump, Prince Andrew, Bill Gates, Bill Clinton are all names that have been publicly associated with Epstein. But until now, the story of Jeffrey's over 20-year relationship with Wexner has been fairly off the radar. So here to discuss all the details is People's Senior Style Editor, Brittany Tallarico. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Janine. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start at the beginning of Victoria's Secret. Like, what was the identity of it originally, and how did Les Wexner acquire it to make it the global juggernaut brand that it is known as today? Yeah, so Victoria's Secret was founded back in 1977 by Roy Raymond and Wexner, you know, a powerful businessman. He bought Victoria's Secret under his L Brands company in 1982 for just a million dollars. And he would turn it into a billion-dollar empire over the next two decades. He got that the brand's famously sexy catalogs through, you know, the nation's doors. Those catalogs gained the attention of women at the time. They viewed it, that imagery as aspirational. And then men, of course, kind of love to browse through those pages. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the famous Victoria's Secret fashion show, that launched back in 95, and it soon became synonymous with supermodels like Tyra Banks and Heidi Klum and Giselle Bundchen and Miranda Kerr. And, you know, they were hitting the runway in these elaborate lingerie and the famous angel wings. And that first became broadcasted in 2001 and ran through 2018. But, you know, there came a reckoning in 2019, 2020 with Me Too and women standing up for themselves. But we'll get there. And the documentary does too. Wow. I had no idea. The story of Jeffrey (laughs) Epstein is heavily told in this series, his involvement with Les as his power of attorney. Epstein posing as a Victoria's Secret model recruiter, his alleged use of the private jets to bring women from out of the country in. Take me into that. So Epstein was Wexner's personal money manager. They met sometime in the mid-80s. He would later purchase Wexner's townhouse for $20 million when the business owner moved back to Ohio. And he shared control of Wexner's 20 companies, 19 trusts, different charitable foundations. And they were known to have done business until at least 2007. Wexner used Epstein as the face, the schmoozer, the person they would take out to parties. But then in 2008, Epstein pleaded guilty in Florida court soliciting a person under 18 for prostitution. He was later jailed and he served much of that time in work release in Palm Beach. So around 2008, Epstein and Wexner, they, they cut ties after Epstein became a registered sex offender. Now, fast forward to 2019, Epstein was arrested after being accused of sex trafficking of girls as young as 14. So he faced up to 45 years in prison if he was convicted, but he was found dead in his New York City jail cell that August. Now, for his part, Wexner says they had no working relationships since 2007. He did address in 2019, telling shareholders at a business meeting that he was embarrassed to have ever had a connection with him. 
And after these allegations emerged that Epstein said he was a recruiter for Victoria's Secret, a spokesperson shot that down. Mm. And then in July of 2019, L Brands disclosed that it had hired some outside counsel to review the company's relationship with Epstein. And they maintained again that they cut ties with him over 12 years ago and they called all his alleged crimes abhorrent. Wow. So the brand took a big hit with the rise of social media, though, and body positivity and the Me Too movement. So did any one of the women associated with the brand speak out about what the issues were with what they were wearing or representing? So Victoria's Secret canceled its annual fashion show November 2019 due to the criticism that the brand didn't embrace models of all sizes and backgrounds on the runway. They also faced enormous backlash in 2020 after a report published in The New York Times accused the brand's former chief executive officer Ed Razik of sexual harassment, bullying, and creating a culture of misogyny over decades at the company. Now, Razik has come out and denied all of this. The documentary shows features a few Victoria's Secret models, Dorothea Jorgensen and Lindsay Scott. They recall wearing very provocative childlike lingerie adorned with toys for the Victoria's Secret show's pink segment in 2012. One model was wearing balloons. And looking back, They said it was never about the clothes. These clothes are not sold in stores. It was about fulfilling some kind of fantasy or the idea of a fantasy Mm. and how problematic it was kind of looking back in hindsight. So how did Victoria's Secret rebuild? What is their current messaging? And and will the fashion industry accept them once again? So in a statement shared with people, Victoria's Secret addressed the documentary and shared that the brand has shifted and evolved since becoming a standalone company in 2021. The statement reads, the company featured in this docuseries does not reflect today's Victoria's Secret and Co. When we became a standalone company in August 2021, we set out to regain the trust of our customers, associates, and partners. Today, we are proud to be a different company with a new leadership team and a mission to welcome, celebrate, and champion all women. Victoria's Secret introduced the VS Collective, including soccer star Megan Rapino, actress Priyanka Chopra, models Haley Bieber and Bella Hadid, um, as just a whole new rebranding, introducing new female voices into the conversation. So the the Victoria's Secret of the past, they've left behind the sexy fashion shows, the glitzy fantasy bras, the angels, and they really seem to be ushering in this new era of inclusivity. Wow. Fascinating. Brittany, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Janine. Okay, you guys, it's Friday. It's the weekend. I'm in San Diego. And to sum it up, I am very happy. (laughs) That's my little Raimi's favorite thing to ask right now. Mommy, are you happy? Are you happy, mommy? (laughs) Which is exactly why the viral video of a little boy just talking about how happy and precious he is made me think of her. And I thought it would be a nice little something to make you smile. I'm so precious and I'm so really happy. How can you not be happy after hearing that? (laughs) Well, happy start of the weekend to you all. I'm off to that proud family panel I told you about. Enjoy your weekend, and I will talk to you on Monday for another episode of People Every Day. Stay happy, you guys. People Every Day is produced by Chrissy Lindquist, Tony Mantia, Madison Lesby, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, and the great team at Pod People, edited by Morgan Foose and Carter Wogan. 
People's producers are me, Janine Rubenstein, and Charlotte Triggs, with help from Elisa Sessler and Fallon Harge. Executive produced by David Flumenbaum and Zoe Ruderman.